When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and Happy New Year. Uh, not our first show after the new year, but we're still close enough for me to say, make your resolutions, keep it, and if you can't, Go to our website, Generation Bold Radio. Go to Ask Adrian, and we have a lot of hints and tips on how to stay healthy and take care of those seven areas that we all talk about of successful aging, of nutrition and exercise and, you know, relatedness, life purpose, and so on. And today we're going to really be lit up by, by probably new information to all of you. This is a very unusual and unique show. It's the kind of show I love to have because I'm bringing you into a world that you may never have had a glimpse of. And that is with our guest, Dr. Cynthia Stewin. She's chair of the NGO Committee on Aging in New York to the United Nations. Uh, and she's also, she's also the main representative to the UN on behalf of the IFA, which is the International Federation on Aging. And you may not realize the amount of global interest that there is and the amount of global need that there is with regard to aging. So thank you for being with us today, Cynthia. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So I, I want to unpack a couple of your titles because I think it's going to be important to, to the listeners. Uh, first of all, you're the chair of the NGO on aging to, uh, at the United Nations. I don't know for sure if people understand what an NGO is. Then unpack that again with regard to what the NGO on aging does. Okay. NGO stands for Non-Governmental Organization. And at the United Nations, there is space for the voice of NGOs, the non-governmental organizations, and all members of civil society. So, for example, academic institutions, uh, research institutions, etc., to apply to the United Nations for status to be recognized as an NGO within the United Nations system. That means we have a voice at various meetings throughout the year if we have established our United Nations accredited affiliation. So one of the things that I know, uh, for example, that will make it clear to people, is that the NGO Committee on Aging observes the UN World Elder Abuse Awareness uh, day and that comes out in June. I personally attended uh, a very big event, and that is the International uh, Day of Older Persons. And you had some very special uh, things going on there, and it kind of raises awareness. Those days raise awareness on issues of aging all over the world. Now let, let's go to your your chairman. So as chairman there, you're taking mm-hmm. over a, a big responsibility to getting the public to know about this, to getting delegates to know about it. What's your role? Well, the NGO Committee on Aging in New York, and I say New York because we're here headquartered in New York. However, we have a counterpart committee on aging in uh, Vienna and uh, uh, also Geneva. And those two function in those areas with the United Nations departments that are there. For example, the World Health Organization is headquartered in Vienna. The Human Office of the Commission of Human Rights is headquartered in Vienna. And our counterpart committees 
work in those locations to interact. So our responsibility is really to bring awareness to educate member states. Member states are the 193 countries who are members of the United Nations. Our so job, you're really raising say, the consciousness. Yes. Yeah, you're really raising the consciousness of countries. Yes. With regard to and issues of aging. Absolutely. And I could point to some successes we've had and then challenge Point away. Point away, <laughs> Cynthia. Well, one of the areas that the NGO Committee on Aging took great leadership with is in planning and preparation for what we call Agenda 2030. That is the sustainable development goals that were adopted by the United Nations at their General Assembly, which meets every September. But in September of 2015, 17 different goals were adopted, and they are called the, the Agenda 2030. Then the they run for 15 years, from 2016 to 2030. Their predecessor goals were the Millennium Development Goals that ran from 2000 to 2015. In the Millennium Development Goals, there was not a mention of older persons. However, based on our work and our collaboration with many others, we were effective in getting introduced into the 17 of the 17 goals in 14 of them, specific references to older persons and the platform preamble of the Sustainable Development Goals is leave no one behind. So what do you have to remember here when you're listening to this is the way things work in the field of aging and the way change really happens and what agents of change really have to do. All of us, if we are simply going to be in our own silo of issues of aging, are going to get very, very little. We're going to move the needle four inches maybe. But when you get involved as Cynthia Stewin and her NGA group on aging with broader issues like environmental protection, let's say, that's a very good example. It, frankly, it's a, there's more focus on that, let's say, than aging. And yet there's a connection. So when you can make these connections, that's when the world changes. And that's what we're talking about here. Uh, Dr. Stewart is there to make major, major change, not move a, a needle four inches. And one of the things, though, is that there is a focus on aging. And the older uh, persons, the day of older persons, is one of those focuses. So I, I uh, participated in that as an observer this year. And, of course, many, many countries, many uh, thinkers were there speaking including the people from my pew who believe in healthy longevity and active aging. So how do you get all these folks together, and what do you see for next year's uh, International Day of Older Persons? Well, we're just in the planning phases. You know, the International Day of Older Persons is, is established by the United Nations as October 1st. Oftentimes, we cannot plan our observance on October 1st because it is oftentimes too close to the General Assembly that meets in September. And the UN isn't, won't commit space in case there's any uh, aftermath of the General Assembly. However, this year we're hoping to be able to do it on October 1st, but sometimes it's a later date in October. 
this is 2020, the 75th anniversary of the establishment of the United Nations. It's a very, very big year. But we are hoping that it is our year because we have garnered so much more support for issues concerning aging and not just that aging is a drain on their country's health and wealth, but rather older persons have much to contribute to sustainable development. So I think we're moving the needle here just that way. Uh, For everybody listening, if you would take a look at budgets of countries, whole countries here we're talking about, including the United States, by the way, and maybe especially the United States, you will see the costs per person of aging. You will see the burden on society uh, articulated in numbers on aging. You will see all the negatives of having an older and longevity-growing population. So if it's so difficult to live longer, what could happen? What could be a backlash? But now when you turn the coin to the other side and you see the benefits of an older population with regard to experience, with regard to mentoring, with regard to uh, volunteerism, contribution, and economics, then you say, hmm, this is a pretty strong positive in our country. And it has been thought of before. Uh, so I have to, in the last minute we have before our break, Cynthia, is it a hard sell? Let's tell the truth here. This is the fountain of truth. Is it a hard sell to switch that dialogue from the negativity to positivity? Well, it is. But there isn't a country, and I'm talking developed or developing, that isn't experiencing growth in their older population. And one of the projections is that by 2015, older persons will be roughly equal, equal to the number of children globally. That is getting the attention. And I don't care if your percentage of population is currently 5%, you will double your population to 10%. That's no different than the U.S. population, you know, going to 25% by 2050. So it's it's relative, and they're beginning to sit up and listen. You know, there's an old sentence, um, the bigger the why, the easier the how. Well, there's a very big why when it comes to aging populations right now for governments to pay attention. We'll be right back, and we'll look at which governments are paying attention. With Dr. Stu, and don't you go anywhere. Okay. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And before we get back to our fascinating guest, you know, the idea of international and global aging may not be on your mind and may not be something that you think affects you, but it surely does, and we'll show you how in a minute. But I do want to do a little bit of bookkeeping. Please go to our uh, 
website, generationboldradio.com. Give me your email address, and you will get our Monday weekly newsletter with hints and tips on successful aging. We also have a terrific store at generationboldradio.com with everything selected by me for a happy life and easier travel, uh, great gifts. It's just such a fun little place to uh, to look at. And almost everything that you can get there, like luggage handling and tokens that show where you've traveled all over the world, come with something wonderful like free meal for a child who needs, who's in need. Uh, so that we've really brought together this whole idea of commerce with being good in the world. And finally, my latest book is out. Yes. Uh, It's on Amazon. Just go ahead. You can download it or you can get yourself a copy, paperback copy of the income, the retirement income explosion. Have more, spend less, live better. took me a long time to figure out that title, let me tell you that. But it is the retirement income explosion, and it's on Amazon now. So let us get back to Cynthia Stewin, Dr. Stewin, who is the chair of the AGO Committee on Aging in New York, and she explains to us that, that in Switzerland there are other, and in Vienna as well, uh, there are other NGO committees on aging that work with the United Nations, but she is also the main representative to the UN on behalf of the International Federation on Aging. And uh, Cynthia, when, when we left, we were talking about the fact that we're globalizing, and you're working very hard to globalize issues of aging and to make sure that the consciousness of countries are raised. And I'm curious, I'm very curious, who stepped up to the plate? Who's really gotten themselves a focus uh, on aging? And how are we doing in the U.S. with regard to that? Well, who's really stepped up to the plate from the very beginning has been the country of Argentina and really led the way to say older persons get lost in just the generic human rights platforms of a country if they have one. And um, they established several years ago a group of friends of older persons. These are uh, 25 countries, certainly that currently are members of the group of friends of older persons at the United States. And it's Argentina. Many of them are South American countries. Uh, But there's also um, the Philippines and Qatar and Slovenia and South Africa, Turkey, for example. They really are committed to working toward a legally binding document, which the UN language would call a convention to promote the human rights of older persons. And I, I want to stop you, you right there. I need to yeah. stop you right there. You said in our first uh, in our first segment, did you say 192 countries are members of the United Nations? 193. 193. I missed one. 193. Yeah. yeah, 25 of them you just said have have signed up, right, for this issue, issues yeah. of aging. So we got to get more. And in that 25, is the U.S. there or is that Turkey and in uh, South America? Uh, no. In fact, they uh-huh. have absolutely voted against uh, establishing a legal binding. The U.S. claims, and I have met with the representatives at the U.S. mission, claims that the United States has enough laws uh, to protect older persons. And while the U.S. has many laws that do, you know, prevent age discrimination and 
increasing where regulatory uh, bodies looking at, for example, um, elder abuse, et cetera. My question to them was, well, okay, so if the United States is a leader in that area, just as it was for people with disabilities in 1993, what about all the other countries of the world that aren't as progressive as we are? Don't you think this we would go a long way in leading the way to promote? And their reason comes back, no, it's not necessary. And the bottom line is it costs money. Well, we've actually done an assessment of how much of the UN budget it would cost. The reason it would cost money is once you establish a legally binding document that the UN passes, then you have to monitor its implementation. And monitoring of implementation does cost money. We estimated it would be less than 1% of the United Nations budget to monitor and promote a legally binding document. So I'm hearing this first, too, and I have to tell you, I am surprised on a lot of levels. And um, people don't know, but I, I have a whole uh, monologue uh, on our radio uh, website, uh, which is generationboldradio.com, on Washington Conference on Aging. And the last one was in 2015. I was there, and it was President Obama was president. And he moved elder law issues of abuse to the federal government. In other words, he put the attorney general's office in certain cases in charge and made it a federal crime just the way hate crimes mm-hmm. are, so people understand yeah. it. And so there was, there, it's true. There's a real push in the U.S. to take a look at us as a population, and we are 78 million people, and we have a lot of money and a lot of voting power, and uh, the U.S. should look at us. So I'm surprised that they're not doing more, and, and I am disappointed because... Global aging affects uh, U.S. aging a lot. Yes, so it much does. so. That, and you know yeah, that Singapore yeah. and other countries do better than we do. Yes, uh, Cynthia, your comments. Well, I was going to say we have an opportunity. Uh, in uh, I've met with the Office and the Commissioner of Human Rights here in New York, um, and uh, we have an opportunity in the U.S. when we are going to town halls to meetings with candidates who are running for office to raise this very issue. And because all of our um, international work, our U.S. mission to the U.N., comes out of the U.S. State Department. That's where it's housed. So we need to ask our people running for elected office, whether it be for Congress or for president, what do they think about the important role of uh, looking at a legally binding document for older persons at the United Nations so that we might lead the world in human rights cause? Yeah, I think that the, the disconnect here, honestly, is that aging is an orphan as a topic and as a cause. We all age, so you can't say that anybody's being discriminated against. Uh, we are, uh, we are, we're prejudiced against ourselves when it comes to aging. Yep. And I can easily see how it, I'm going to be go into my view of, of marketing. We're just not trending. We think we are because we live in, in that world, Cynthia. But sometimes right. we're just not right. trending. Right. Which is why I think there has Talk to be a little be bit more about what you guys intergenerational. Do. 
Yeah. Well, yes, I we think talk about inter- uh, and intergenerational solidarity. And we are reaching out to the youth because they get a lot of attention, as they should. I'm not, it should never be, it should never be one generation against another generation. This is a society for all ages, and we age from the day we're born. So, and I want you to know begin. that there are books out there called the Age Wars. So uh, what Cynthia is talking about yes. is very serious, actually, in people's mm-hmm. consciousness. When we return, we will talk a lot more about this. We're getting really into the depth of the fountain of truth. Don't you go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. For my age, da 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 da, da da da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. For my age, da 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 da. And hello, 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 this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And I really have a rare opportunity here uh, to speak with Dr. Cynthia Stewart uh, because uh, she is in a very rare position in the world that has to do with aging. She's worked in the field of aging all of her life. She got her doctorate over at Columbia. Uh, She's worked with an organization you probably know, which is the Lighthouse for the Blind, uh, not just uh, in its executive capacity, but also in making huge changes in the way we think socially about sight and the field of aging and sight. But right now, she's really at the, uh, at the crossroads, the crossroads of the way the world thinks about aging and what it's willing to do about it and what the current situation for us as an individual in the world of aging is. Because she is the NGO of the Committee on Aging uh, for the United Nations, but also the main representative to the U.N., of the International Federation of Aging. And what, what she was bringing up and what uh, Cynthia Stu and Dr. Stu was bringing up in the last segment was something that I explained to her I would not have asked her about. Uh, but she's very passionate about it. And that is the intergenerational approach to get us further in understanding that aging is a critical issue for everyone in the world. So, Cynthia, tell us a little bit about how you're working with that, because it is counterintuitive. <clears throat> right. As I said, <clears throat> from the time we're born, we begin to age. But I think in the field of aging, which I've spent my entire career, we've all too often just focused on the latter part of life and not thought about the importance of education, awareness, sensitivity for how we educate our young people at elementary, middle, extended schools, how we train our professionals in the fields, various fields that they work in, to not be ageist, to be inclusive of people of all ages. And, you know, you go way back to how when we first started looking at sensitivity awareness and ageism, the old facts on aging quiz that Erdman Palmer designed, and we started using that to raise awareness. And we discovered just how ageist we were as a society, and that continues. It's very important that we make this an intergenerational concern. And there's a very 
practical issue of why it needs to be intergenerational. Read Linda Grattan and um, Andrew Scott's book on the 100-year life, and you will see the importance of looking at not only your lifestyles, your, your education across the lifespan and retooling and gearing for new areas of growth to extend to a 100-year life. The life that you and I perhaps do as education, work, retirement doesn't exist anymore, and it won't exist in the future. And how do you plan to live the child born today expects to live to 100 years old. That is important, both economic, and I'm eager to read your new book about this as well. It's very critical, and it talks about the interdependence of generations, and that's where I think we need to focus. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you really have sang a song that is in my heart for many, many years now. And I'll make a couple of comments real quick. First of all, the Max Planck Institute has done incredible studies in Germany, uh, but with regard to all kinds of societies, 63% of the way we see older adults has to do with our grandparents and the older adults we saw when we were very young. So we begin to get trained in what aging is the moment we are sensate. And therefore, I'm very tough, Cynthia, you don't know this, on my, on my listeners and my readers. It's our responsibility to show that aging counts and it's terrific because we are mm-hmm. teaching people. As we walk in the street and have lousy posture and look like we're frail, we're teaching people that's what aging is. Uh, every time we say to ourselves we're having a senior moment and we say it out loud, which is nonsense, we are teaching people to be ageist and we are reinforcing our own ageism. Okay, off the soapbox. But with regard to intergenerational, yes, uh, the fact is that in the book, The Retirement Explosion, I think it's important for me to point out to everybody, they may be disappointed to hear this, Cynthia, there's as much information on working as there is on retiring, even though it's called the retirement income (laughs) income explosion because people like the word retirement. But I, I should have called it the working and retiring income explosion because if you can, why not? So uh, exactly. to those of you who don't well, know, and, it, yeah, go ahead. Well, there and there are a lot of people in our own country, the United States, and in many other countries who cannot afford to retire. Ah. They don't have the, the, the pension. Say, they don't have a pension. They don't have enough savings. They don't have enough to live on. And that is where working it becomes essential. And in some countries in the world, a woman cannot inherit anything. Once her husband dies, she's put out. If a child, if she has children, normally she does, if they don't take her in, she is destitute. That's the kind of basic human rights that need to be protected so everyone, regardless of your circumstances, can live with dignity. So let's talk about living with dignity. We do have problems here in the U.S., there's no doubt. Uh, Some laws try to help us, but we still get fired or pushed out when we're older. Uh, We still see ageism in uh, in the way consumer goods are created for us and 
uh, as, uh, as a, one book called The Longevity Economy says, everybody looks at us as patients. So we've got, we've got problems, but we've got first world ages and problems. There is mm-hmm. something else, and that is age inequality. And you really, really mm-hmm. are working with that. Explain what age inequality means and, and what the NGO is trying to do, what the UN is trying to do. Well, our whole area, which was the theme of our International Day of Older Persons last year in October 2019, was promoting age equality. And it was, regard, you know, and younger people are discriminated against too. You ask any 20-year-old sometimes about what they feel they're discriminating. They have a long list of, dis, you know, slights and their voice isn't heard. And they don't realize they're in the same boat as anybody who's considered an older person. We all have rights, and we all want to be rights holders. And there are, there are rights of the child, and there are examples of, of uh, binding declarations that have been established at the United Nations, uh, such as the rights of the child to an education, to health care, to, um, you know, a decent, uh, so that they uh, have a decent living, they're not malnourished. Those are all part of the sustainable development goals. But let me just give you a little snippet of what we're up against. In establishing those sustainable development goals around uh, zero poverty and ending malnutrition and health for all and access to education, including lifelong learning, et cetera, in the United Nations system in the old Millennium Development Goals, the cutoff for gathering data was age 49. Why was that? Because that was the end of the reproductive years for women. So therefore, you didn't count after age 50, okay? Those barriers have been lifted and there's actual for the sustainable development goals to say oh that's why we worked hard to get people of all ages women of all ages men of all ages a society for all all people so that we're sure that the data are collected across all the lifespan as i say you know when somebody's born you know when somebody dies in a country you have the data what you have to do, and that does cost a little more money, is disaggregate it, cut it up in slices of five-year increments or 10-year increments so that you can look at differences across the various groups of, of our population. That's now, you know, you know what, you, the, the issue that you brought up and the stopping at reproductive age, uh, I had an opportunity to speak with Gloria Steinem. And I asked her, mm-hmm. she's, she's 80 uh, more, uh, older than that, 80, yeah. 80, 85. Yeah. And I asked her uh, if she sees ageism in the same way as she fought feminism. And she said to me, you know, Adrian, they're the same thing. Uh, it's all about womb politics. That's her words, womb uh, politics. You know, Gloria. Yeah. So yeah. when we come back, I do want to talk to you, Cynthia, because you, again, you brought it up. Uh, whether or not aging is largely a woman's issue. Don't you guys go anywhere. We'll be right back. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit because I am happy. 
for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg. Unaccountably, we are in our last segment. I can't believe it. Uh, with Dr. Cynthia Stewin, who is the chair of the NGO Committee on Aging over for New York at the United Nations, but also the main representative uh, to the UN of the uh, International Federation on Aging. Now, before we go ahead and take a look at you know, aging, women's issues, what's going on at the UN, uh, there's ways that you can get involved. So, Dr. Stewin, tell everybody websites where they can get information and how they can get involved in issues of aging and really become a, an agent of change. Absolutely. There is a wonderful organization called the Global Alliance for the Rights of Older People. We give everything an acronym, so that one's GAROP, G-A-R-O-P. Okay. But the website is www.rights of olderpeople.org and that has a lot of resources and it links people around the world to what are the issues about how we can better improve the human rights protection of older persons globally and I really hope people will take them it doesn't cost anything the resources are there for you to use in your local country, local county, whatever, uh, to help us uh, create this grassroots movement. We have much we might learn from the disability movement. Do you know they got their legally binding instrument on the books at the UN with three years, within three years? And that's because they were visible and they, they stalked people at the United Nations, the member states in country and at the UN and said, we deserve protection. We are not getting the same human rights protections that people who are able-bodied are getting. And I think we should learn from that and say, older persons, stand up for yourself and make a difference in whatever way you can at your local community. That is so beautifully said. That's one of the things in our show we cut uh, that and we separate it, we put it on social media. I mean, that's a really, really wonderful statement uh, and very, very exciting. And part of that, too, though, I think, uh, segues to the issue of aging being a woman's issue. One of the things that the folks with disabilities have is that they can say that they are different. And that has been a, a problem for them, too, but it's also been a solution for Issues of aging, we're all aging. It's very hard for us to, to be seen as a group with need. But women have been able to do that too. And if we can make a combination here, we might get somewhere. Uh, is, is it so, though, that in other countries, uh, third world, what we might call third world countries, you probably have a nicer name for it, uh, women's inequality has a lot to do with Age inequality as well. It's a little different here in the U.S. We do have a better situation here. Everybody uh, has problems with ageism here. But has that been an issue uh, that has been dealt with with some of the 25 countries that have joined this? Right. I think, I think sexism is alive and well and continues 
and um, you see it every day. I see it every day in print or news or journalism. It's it's there. There are the enlightened, like yourself, but still, uh, as we've seen even on the uh, stage for um, presidential candidates, are the women subjected differently? I do think that there is still remains tremendous inequality. And again, it goes back. How do we raise little boys and little girls not to be sexist? That is a challenge we have across the lifespan. And calling out sexist behavior will go a long way. Women, I think, are part of one of those marginalized groups. In fact, every year there is the Commission on the Status of Women that meets at the United Nations for two weeks in March. This year, it's the 25th anniversary of the Beijing platform. That was when women from around the globe convened in Beijing um, to really launch what was a women's movement to establish equality. We've, we've gained, but we have a long way to go. And this, the 25th anniversary of that, what we're doing with the NGO Committee on Aging is we go, there will be over uh, 700 side events and parallel events that occur during those two weeks besides the official uh, program of the Commission on the Status of Women. We, the NGO Committee on Aging, will go to those side events, parallel events, and can, as we've done for the past many years, and keep raising issues. Well, what about older women? And many times we get, oh, well, we didn't think about that. Well, that's sensitization, that's education. Because if we just do programs about older women, we're preaching to the choir. Sorry. Right. So our strategy has been infiltrate and convert. You know, this is a brilliant strategy. What, what, what I forget, and I have to remind myself, of this is because I swim in the waters of issues of aging. I think that the whole world cares and that everybody is concentrated. <laughs> After all, I say to myself, they're all aging. It's gonna, it, there's nobody that this isn't going to affect. So everybody's all proactive. Then I talk about aging and you can see everybody's eyes glazing over. <laughs> they have no interest right. in listening to what this is all about. So yes, that is the only way and it's a brilliant way to strategize. Uh, and before we leave, I have to, to ask you to uh, end on a, a really positive note. You have really made a lot of strides. I don't want anyone to think that, uh, that this is all a work in progress. Lots, lots of really important things have occurred. So if you could pick your, your favorite win, we'll say, to end our show and in, incentivize everybody that things can improve, what would it be? Well... You know, you attended our International Day of Older Persons last October. Right. And what you don't know is that the last minute, three days before that meeting occurred, we had an inquiry from the newly elected president of the General Assembly from Nigeria saying, I would like to speak to your group. Well, in the United Nations for you to be asked by that high office to come to the event to speak, that says a lot about 
how far we've come. And in one of the regional conferences that we helped support in Africa at the end of November, he also spoke. Now that goes a long way to saying, we've come a long way, baby, but we have a long right. way to go. Well, I do love that. We've come a long way, baby. We have a long way to go, but if we've gotten this far, we can get further. And for everybody out there, as I end every single show every week, get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.